You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to episode one of the Tinderbox for 2019-2020. We are the Calgary Flames podcast for Matchsticks and Gasoline, part of SB Nation's Hockey Nation and Podcast Nation. My name is Mark. As always, I am joined by Michael. Good afternoon, Michael. Or good morning. Good morning. Good afternoon, Mark. Yourself? Everything is going lovely. It's a beautiful, beautiful New England fall day. It is cold and raw and cloudy and gross. Kind of just like the Flames game last night. But I'm not going to complain because I saw pictures out of Canada from last week where people had like three feet of snow on their deck. So um, I'm just going to be quiet about the weather. And I think we should just jump right into hockey. Uh, The Flames last night opened up their season and surprised nobody. The Flames lost for the 10th straight time. Calgary has opened up a regular season without getting into the win column. Uh, Last night, they were victims to the Colorado Avalanche, the same team that took four straight for them in the playoffs. So if you're counting at home, that's now five straight losses to the Colorado Avalanche for the Calgary Flames. Last night, they lost five to three. And uh, Michael, despite a loss, despite the aggravating scenario of not being able to win on opening night, because it doesn't really matter in the end. There's still 81 games after this. There were some good things to take away from that game last night, no? Yeah, I thought, like, we kind of broke it down. Like, the first period, they it looked like exactly last year's playoffs. They were just absolutely dominated. But after that, I thought they were right there all game, and even taking it to Colorado at some point. I thought it was a pretty balanced game, considering that Colorado's going to be one of the better teams in the West this year, you know, opening night, they're going to lose. Might as well get a good team on the road out of the way. If you're going to have to lose no matter what on your first game of the season. I agree. That first period was really tough. Colorado came out really, really strong. The flames are on the heels despite, you know, getting a nice goal from Sean Monahan. Um, Calgary just didn't look like they had it in that first period. However, the second period, definitely something to build on for the flames. They, in essence, outside of the scoreboard, which we all know is the most important thing actually really took it to Colorado, and they were very, very strong in that second period. Shots-wise, they just didn't seem like they could get any traction, and I think part of that can be blamed on the officiating. The amount of penalties that were taken in that game last night was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, I didn't even have a huge problem with the number of penalties. It was just the fact that they went from, I think it was 10 power plays combined in the first two periods, absolutely nothing in the third period when it's not like the team suddenly remembered how to play hockey in the third period. Completely agree. That third period was funny. I was looking it up as you know, you're watching the game and you're like, okay, penalty here, penalty here. And then you start to think as I was writing the recap, I was like, did they even take a penalty? Nobody took any penalties in the third. It's like the officials got their quota out for the night. And they were like, all right, we're good. We'll let them play in the third. And I just feel like neither team could really gain any kind of traction. It's always tough to, you know, try to get into your game when you're constantly there's a stoppage and one of your guys is skating off to the the penalty box to sit for a little bit. And honestly, some of the stuff they called last night was really ticky tacky, but that out of the way, the flames didn't lose that game last night due to officiating. That's for sure. Colorado just all of a sudden the last half of last year, the last week in playoffs has become an incredibly solid hockey team. 
Yeah, I think they finally, they're starting to see some of the young guys come up like uh, Kale McCarr and other players through their pipeline after they had some sh- struggling years prior to this. And then I think they're probably going to be one of the best teams in the West. So ultimately the Flames pretty much sticking right with them after that first period last night. I think uh, it was actually more of an encouraging loss. I remember the last few years they've had opening night games where they've been smacked around by the Oilers or the Canucks, and it's been a pretty disheartening way to start the season. I don't have any issues with a, uh, essentially a one-goal loss to one of the better teams in the West on the road on opening night. Yep, and uh, another thing I think we can take away from that, too, is you know you look at the score, you look at, okay, five goals put in, Riddick led in four, but honestly, I think Riddick played very well in spurts last night and kept that game closer than it probably should have been. Yeah, he made a number of ridiculous saves that I don't think any other goalie that we've seen in the last five or six years in Calgary would have made. I think, yeah, like you said, he's the only reason it was really close. Like, I don't really blame him on any of the goals that went in. Most of them were really solid plays by the Avalanche where guys were either hitting backdoor one-timers or just perfect shots that you can't really blame them on. So overall, I don't really have any issues with Riddick's play. Defense could use some tightening up, but that's almost always the case on opening night. So again, like I said, I, I don't feel quite as like down after an opening night loss this year as compared to past years, even though it would have been great to finally beat Colorado. A hundred percent. I completely agree with you there. And I think you mentioned the defense needing to tighten up a little bit. Someone who struggled mightily early in that contest was Oliver Shillington. And then you immediately start to think, okay, this guy's been given this spot. He, well, not given, he's earned it. He's got the chance to go out there and skate with Rasmus Anderson and he struggled for a little bit, but I thought he got stronger as the game went on. They weren't as many mental mistakes. He was getting back into the play when he should have been. And I think Overall, I mean, you'd probably give him a C on the night if you were giving him you know, a letter grade. He started out poorly, but I think Shillington definitely flipped it around and played a lot stronger, much like the rest of the Flames did from the second period on. Yeah, Shillington strikes me as the kind of guy who he's going to keep needing to get his feet wet to really get better. He's always been a decently good puck-moving defenseman, but he's always kind of struggled in the defensive zone. So I think a lot of that's just going to come with experience as the season moves forward. But yeah, like you said, it I just started like, oh, I don't know this guy. They kind of, they didn't really have any better six options, so they went with uh, Shillington. Now it's like, are they going to get burned for that? But I, like you said, I thought he got a lot better as the game went on. I think he's still got a ways to go, but playing with Rasmus Anderson, I think it's going to work out well for both of them kind of as we get later into the season. But for now, I, I didn't hate his game, but yeah, there's definitely some areas for improvement. I agree. So uh, one more thing we could touch on from last night's game. I think... Colorado definitely came out and tried to outmuscle the Flames, show they were going to be more physical. And Calgary has, you know, added a few bodies to try to, you know, toughen themselves up. And that third line, as we mentioned yesterday, with Lucic and Sam Bennett and Derek Ryan, it's not, uh, we'll say, the fleetest of foot of line, but it's a line that you're going to feel when you play against them. And last night, you know, Colorado tried to play that type of game, and they beat up on Austin Zarnick for a little while. Um, Nikita Zadrov was uh, the main culprit in that, and Lucic, to his credit, knew what he had to do, and, you know, Zadrov, even though he's, you know, what he looks like on the ice, a foot bigger than Lucic, uh, didn't want any part of him, and Lucic was like, well, tough, you're going to get part of me, and, you know, he drew the misconduct, the instigator, and the fighting penalty, but uh, I'm, I'm kind of impressed with, you know, Zarnik took a couple of big hits, but Calgary didn't knuckle under. They're showing a little bit of that toughness that took a while for them to kind of build up that reputation. 
Yeah, totally. Um, hey, you know, I just think I think Lucic just set the tone where it's like, hey, you're not going to push these guys around just because you're a foot taller than this guy and you can, you know, destroy him into the boards. If you're going to do that, you're going to have to deal with me. And again, a toughness is something Calgary hasn't had in a while. So that was kind of nice to see. I mean, ill-timed penalty probably at that point in the game, but also something I think that needed to be done. Yeah, totally. I think it's something that's trying to set the tone a bit for the season. I think the Flames are going to become one of those teams that everybody hates to play against and they hate the guys on the Flames. I actually was tweeting about last night. I was like, so who are people going to focus their hate on? Is it going to be Milan Lucic or Matthew Kachuk or even a little bit of Sam Bennett here and there? I think that's exactly what the Flames need. And to see Lucic kind of step up last night and set the tone for other teams this year by saying, hey, you're not going to take liberties on the Flames, I think that's something Calgary's never really had before. So ultimately, I think Lucic is going to fill that role. And if he's still in that role and maybe chipping a little bit here and there, I have no problems with uh, what he does on the ice. Exactly. And honestly, you know, even saw Gaudreau being a little bit physical last night, you know, in the corners, he was quote unquote, and I'm using air quotes here. You can't see them throwing his weight around. Like he played a little bit physical. Um, But yeah, I, you mentioned Kachuk and it'd be like, I would just like for one shift just to watch a line of Kachuk, Bennett and Lucic go out there and just wreak havoc and annoy the hell out of everybody. Even saw it last night where Kachuk's first shift on the ice, he comes in, he skates in and, you know, he sprays Philip Grubauer just a little bit, and then all hell breaks loose because Matthew Kachuk is standing two feet from a goalie. It's So, hey, big money, new contract, same player, which is great to see. Yeah, it's hilarious with Matthew Kachuk. Some people uh, or some teams really, uh, they think just when he skates by their net sometimes, it's a free liberty to take a shot of half the time now he's not even doing anything or stirring crap anymore. He's just skating on by, and suddenly they just grab him and start a scrum. So I think it's... Uh, I think it's good that the Flames have a reputation like this. They're not going to, they don't want to be an easy team to play against anymore. But uh, no, I just think it's hilarious that Matthew Kachuk seems to be this guy you can throw a shot at every now and then, even if he hasn't done anything. Although in most cases he has. So I guess we're yeah. kind of even there. <laughs> 100%. So game one out of the way, Flames lose 5-3 to three last night to the Colorado Avalanche in Colorado. Home opener. Saturday night, they have Vancouver, and we'll just run down the schedule real quick between Saturday and the end of next week. It's not particularly an easy run to start the season. They've got Vancouver on Saturday, Los Angeles on Tuesday at home. Then they go on the road for three. They go to Dallas, which is always a nightmare building for the Flames to play in. Then they're at Vegas. Then they're at San Jose. So schedule makers not throwing a lot of cupcakes at Calgary early to start the season. Well, I think it's exactly what they need to kind of get their feet under them. Hopefully they should be able to steal, or not steal, but take two wins at home here in Vancouver and L.A. But, yeah, like you said, Dallas is always a tough out, especially in Dallas. It almost seems like those are like the 2 nothing, 2-1 games that Calgary can never get any offense going. Yep. So I imagine that will be something similar this year. Vegas, Calgary's had no luck there. And then back-to-back in San Jose. And San Jose is one of those teams that the Flames and Sharks always have good games, but kind of a tough blow having to play them on the second half of a back-to-back right after playing probably your toughest divisional rival the night before yeah so it's yeah it's not going to be an easy run but i'm with you i think that's how you should start a season you shouldn't start with five cupcakes get that you know false sense of oh you know that bravado where we're great we're fantastic and then you run into a stretch like this where you're like okay maybe we're not that good but as someone who picked the flames to uh get 112 points this year you know two extra wins and an extra tie uh 
this will be a good test for them to see where they stand and you know how things are going, how they gel and whatnot. Because if they come out against uh, Vegas, San Jose, or even Dallas and play like they did in that first period last night um, or Thursday night, it's going to be it's going to be a tough run for them, da- especially against a team like Dallas. If Dallas scores early in a first period against Calgary, that's that's a tough hill to climb to get back in. Yeah, totally. I think the rest of the month entirely actually will be really interesting. The Flames have a really heavy schedule just in terms of games, like 15 games in the month of October. Usually it's like 10 to 12. So I think it'll be really interesting to see kind of how they take the month as a whole. But yeah, getting off to a good start with beat would be huge for this team, especially considering they, they never seem to do well in October. That would seem, if they're lucky, usually scrape around that 500 mark, maybe just above last year. I think they had one win over 500. Like they're They've never been a great starting team for pretty much as long as we can uh, remember. So hopefully they can kind of get something going here, kind of bounce back this week and then go from there. All right, we're going to pause here for a quick break to pay some bills and we will be back right after this. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome back to the Tinderbox. We are the podcast for Matchsticks and Gasoline, the Calgary Flames website for SB Nation. I am Mark. As always, I am joined by Michael. We have run down the opening night loss to the Colorado Avalanche. We have kind of looked at the tough schedule the Flames have coming up over the next week. And we're going to jump into another topic. As we, I joked with you yesterday, Michael, I said, you know, it's only game day for the Flames. You know, we only have to write a preview. We only have lines. We only have this thing to do. And, oh, by the way, uh, opening night, we're going to extend our general manager. Calgary extended uh, general manager Brad Living on Thursday afternoon to a, quote unquote, multi-year deal. Uh, you happy with that? I'm very happy with it. I think uh, Tree Living does take a lot of flack for some of his, rightly so, a lot of flack for some of his questionable free agent signings he's made over the years. But I think as a whole, he's been a huge reason why the Flames have evolved from a rebuilding team when he started into a team that finished first in the West, second overall in the league last year, and uh, looks poised to do the same, if not better, this year. Hopefully he can get a little playoff success, too. Yeah, I agree. I know some of the fans are down on him just because of playoff record and Troy Brower and James Neal. But um, I think he's done a a very serviceable job. If, you know, I can't think of a better word than serviceable because it hasn't been excellent. But I think he's done a solid job as a general manager. And it's I think it's smart for Calgary to bring him back. You know, you're trying to build this team up and continue to grow and get better. And I don't think you do that by just dumping a guy who's put a lot of the, you know, some of the major pieces here to get Calgary to where they are. Yeah, totally. I'm kind of, the one thing I've been really impressed with Trillin is his uh, drafting record the last few years. He's got a number of these Mm -hmm. mid to late round picks that are suddenly looking like guys who have legitimate shots, especially if you look back at the 2018 draft when they didn't draft until the fourth round. But now you have guys like Martin Pospisil, Dimitrios Kumansis, who had a great year in NCAA last year. You got Dimitri Zavgorodny in that draft. Like, there's a lot of good players coming up that Tree Living found in the mid to later rounds, which the Flames just didn't do before. Like, when you go back to the kind of the Feaster era, the Sutter era, 
maybe their first round pick panned out, but there was almost nothing after that. So I've been really impressed. I'd say the most at his drafting over the last few years. And I'm really excited to kind of see how he moves forward now, knowing he can find those late round gems because the flames in most, it's very possible flames will be trading away some of their first round picks in upcoming years here as they look to contend. So the ability to find these late round picks, I think is a great boon to the team for, for a tree living and great work by their scouting staff. Yeah. Agreed. It's, I think it's like most sports too. Like if you're picking in the top three or four, you pretty much have an idea of what you're getting. It's when you get into that late, you know, mid to late first round where you're like, okay, you know, are we drafting for need? Are we taking best player available type deal? But with most sports, it's especially, I mean, if you want to liken it to the NFL, a lot of your, your hard workers and guys that build you build your team around come second round and beyond, you know, as much as you hate to spit it out there is Tom Brady is a prime example, you know, six round draft pick, you know? So I think he's done an excellent job. I'm with you of those late mid to late round picks where, you know, guys you're like crossing your fingers, you're hoping they turn out to be something and they are showing some promise. So, I'm I'm with you. I'm glad they extended him. I think continuity helps. You can't just constantly be have a revolving door of coach, GM, coach, GM. You need to, even if you struggle for a little bit, you have to have that continuity to build a team and build a program to get where you need it to be. And I, the Flames are close. I mean, you're not the second best team in all of hockey last year during the regular season for no reason. So that's been good for Calgary. And I'm very, very happy that they brought him back. Um, now we talked GM, we talked about signings. We haven't done a podcast since the end of the season last year. We're going to talk about this past summer where the Flames really did nothing. And he, most of that was A, salary cap, and because of salary cap, B, finding a way to bring Matthew Kachuk back to Calgary. So not the most exciting summer, but I guess efficient enough, maybe? Yeah, I think a summer where you don't have to make a lot of radical moves to change your team can almost be labeled as a good summer compared to the year before where they had to make that blockbuster with Carolina to shake things up. I think ultimately they knew they had a good core in place and yeah, all they had to really focus on was just getting Kachuk back in the fold, which I think they did quite well. And then yeah, a little bit of uh, filling out some bubble spots here and there and I thought it was a fine summer for the limited things he really had to do. Yeah, agreed. I mean, Kachuk obviously was the main one. And you got to even, I mean, we did a piece on it, I think it was last week, but it, like, as a Flames fan, as someone who follows the team, you got to love his attitude with this whole thing where he didn't want to break the bank. And if breaking the bank meant they had to deal a guy like Michael Froelich or somebody else out to get him in, he didn't want that. And it's kind of a rare quality to see in sports where a guy who probably will eventually end up being Calgary's captain is like, hey, look, I get a three-year deal. I'm making good money. I like the team we have. I think we have something to build on. I don't want me getting more money to be the reason that these guys have to, you know, player X, Y, and Z have to be gone. Rare thing to see in sports these days. Yeah, I think it was a really smart move by Kachuk, too, because sometimes it's those guys like the Brodier for for leaks who are rumored to be the guys on their way out to make room for him. Uh, it's those kind of guys that can give you the depth to win a cup. So might have just been a good financial investment from Kachuk. Hey, we can keep these couple guys. Maybe they're the difference. We win a cup, something and make an extra million, million and a half a year. So 
I thought it was a really good move. I really liked the optics behind it. I really liked how he came out and talked about it in the media. And yeah, like you said, I think he's really working towards getting that C on his jersey the day Mr. Giordano retires. Now, the other major, we'll say it, and I say it with a slight chuckle, offseason acquisition was that of Cam Talbot coming to Calgary. Former Edmonton Oilers goalie, uh, played, I think, what, 15 games with the Flyers last year, if that. Now, nothing to write home about. Has struggled over the last two seasons, but, you know, being traded and that Edmonton team hasn't exactly done the best job of building around him when he was there. I mean, he had he had two very solid years in Edmonton where they drove him into the ground. But he now replaces Mike Smith, who is in Edmonton. And I, you know, from just looking at the preseason, Talbot wasn't anything to write home about. Um, so I think this really settles on David Riddick with his new contract and him. He's not forced into that role of being the man because I think he's earned it, but he's got to own it. Like, it's got to be his because are you somebody who trusts Cam Talbot if he had to start 50%, maybe a little more than 50% of the games this season? Cam Talbot's really interesting to me because, yeah, like you said, he's been, he was driven into the ground at Edmonton, especially the last couple of years with not particularly good teams in front of him. So I don't know. The thing I do like about Talbot is that he's pretty calm and collected like Riddick in that. Like he's, he's not like the Mike Smith. He kind of have to worry about like, Hey, what's he going to be doing on this place? He's going to be doing something crazy, like flopping across the crease or playing the puck three quarters of the way in the, down the zone or something. Like, I think um, he's steady, which is what the flames all are really going to be needing in net this year. It's just steady net minding who make the saves when they need to, but, well, I think the Flames can get by as long as they have a goalie who's not losing them games, basically. So yeah. I'm fine with Talbot, and he's played his best hockey as kind of that backup goalie who's played 20 to 30 games in his career, I thought. So I think with him as a backup and Riddick as your number one, hopefully getting 50, 55 starts, I think it's actually going to form a really strong tandem back there. I think so, too. I mean, because if you look at the other options, there aren't any. So it's Talbot is forced into it because Calgary's goaltending in the preseason um, outside of Riddick and Talbot's last start was absolutely nothing to write home about. Um, you know, it, Parsons is still young. Uh, John Gillies is, has to have played his way out of Calgary. The only reason he's not gone is because nobody wants him. It's the only thing I can think of. Um, Big snag zag was okay, but he's still young. A lot of work there, you know? So I think um, Talbot, it made sense to a degree. It wasn't going to be Mike Smith. His time had clearly come and gone in Calgary. And I know they love to preach the tandem. You know, we need a 1A and a 1B or whatever. I would love to see them just have a 1. And I don't care which one it is, but I think Riddick has played well enough. I mean, even a game last night, like last night, Calgary loses. But without Riddick and Net, that game is a completely different nightmare. So Talbot, you know, is what he is. I want to, I want to, it's more of a show me, prove it to me that, um, you know, you can get 45 or 40% of the starts or whatever, or is Riddick just going to be that good this year where it doesn't matter? And hopefully yeah, totally. that... I think I'm, a... yeah, I was going to say, I'm just excited for uh, Calgary. Like you said, to finally potentially have just a number one, not none of this, a uh, tandem or one, a one B thing, like somebody like Riddick can just take over the net and then, like we said, Talbot has to come in in the case of injury. I think he'll do fine, but having Riddick as your defined number one, I think gives, gives a lot of certainty and a lot of uh, structure to the Flames this year, which they just haven't had in past years where it's like, all right, who's going to be starting tonight? Who's going to be starting tonight? Like, I think when you know Riddick's going to be starting three quarters of your games, I think that allows the team to really settle in and get comfortable with one goalie. 
Yeah, and as we mentioned this morning in the morning after column, just to you know make him feel a little better about himself, this is his first regular season start opener for the Calgary Flames as a goalie, and he lost, but Mika Kiprasov also lost his first ever opening night regular season start for the Flames. So not all is there lost because I so I know that there was a little bit of a there was some uh, there was some Debbie Downer on uh, the old Twitter machine last night and in the comment section what? of some of our things like that. Really? I know, I know, I know you're going to be surprised. Flames fans are already to jump off the bridge one game in because they lost to a really, really good team that kicked their butts in the playoffs last year. So um, all hope is not lost people. It's one game. If they're Owen 40, then we'll talk, but we're Owen one. The schedule's getting tougher, but let's just take a deep breath. And if you don't win opening night, who cares? There's still 81 more games to go. All right, Michael, I think yeah, that's exactly. right. Oh, go ahead. If you want to add something else. Oh, yeah. Like I was going to say, like like you said, if we get four or five games in the season, they're one and four, oh, and five, yeah, then we can uh, panic and start getting the heads rolling. But for now, I think we just, uh, this team's going to, every good NHL team loses 20, 25 games minimum a year. So I'm not too worried after last night. Last night I thought it was actually a far more encouraging performance than uh, past years or even last playoffs. And I think, um, I think we're going to have a really good team again this year. So I'm excited to kind of see where these next few weeks lead and hopefully they can start to build a bit of a cushion in the division and start uh, moving their way up the standings. Oh, I hope so. It would make life a lot easier. Although I think sometimes when the, the team's doing bad, we get more interaction with people because angry people tend to post more and comment more, but I'd rather see them winning. So, well, Michael, thank you for joining me as always on Episode one on the maiden voyage of the new Tinderbox podcast. You will be able to find us on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, pretty much anywhere you can find a podcast. You can find the Tinderbox as SB Nation has opened up a brand new gigantic podcasting family, podcasting nation, if you will. Uh, so you'll be able to find us if you want to listen to us talk about the Calgary Flames, any place that you Download your podcast normally, look up the Tinderbox, search Matchsticks and Gasoline, and you'll be able to find this riveting, in-depth, hard-hitting analysis. Michael, thank you for joining me as always. Thanks, Mark. And everybody, thank you for listening. Please download if you want to give us a follow. Give us a follow. Check us out on Twitter at MatchsticksCGY. And we are MatchsticksAndGasoline.com. And you can find us on Facebook at Facebook.com backslash MatchsticksAndGasoline. From Michael, I am Mark saying so long, and we'll catch you next time on the Tinderbox.